welcome to the Real Family Guys podcast with Jeff Emery and Trey Gibson, the show where education and experience collide to help you go deeper in your parenting. Broadcasting from Abilene, Texas, here are your hosts, Jeff and Trey. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of the Real Family Guys podcast. This is the show where experience and education collide Kaboom! to take you deeper in your parenting. The date today is August the 5th, 2016. Our topic for today is helping hands or helpless hands. We got a great article that Jeff found for us uh, over at PositiveParentingSolutions.com about how do we help our kids not become helpless. We see our kids sometimes get into that place where they get helpless and they feel like they can't do it. We're going to talk about how do you prevent that attitude in our kids and how do we teach our kids to... uh, proactively be able to handle problems themselves. It's a common phenomenon that I think we all see as parents in one period of time. We're going to talk a little bit about a great article uh, written by Amy McCready. How do we prevent that? Before we do that, let's get into some quick housekeeping real quick. If you guys want to stay notified of all the new episodes that come out here at the Real Family Guys podcast, simply it's a way to do that. Jump over to thefamilypodcastnetwork.com. That is the sister station of the Real Family Guys podcast. Over the right-hand side, See a little bar over there where you can enter your name and your email address. When you put your name and email address into that, it makes sure that you go onto a list that every time Jeff and I knock out a new show here at the Real Family Guys podcast, you will get notified of not only when it came out, but also what was it about. It's a great way that you can be able to look at your emails in the morning and know, oh, hey, Jeff and, and Trey talked about this. That's actually really something we've been dealing with. Let's jump over there and make, actually, make sure that you never miss out on that show that if you just could have heard, it could have changed everything. But hey, listen, what if you got a question or a comment? Maybe you got a topic that you would love for us to uh, to carry. Just last week, we uh, or a couple weeks ago, we covered a topic on potting and pee in the bed and things like that and pee in pants. And, and uh, uh, that was actually a listener request from somebody that said, like, hey, listen, this is what I'm struggling with. Here's my story. Can you guys do a show over that? We'd love to do it. We're happy to put you out there and share your story and what's going on, but we also can do it very uh, under the under the radar, too. If you just got something that you want us to, to cover a topic, simple, easy ways that you can let us know about that. You can always email us at Gibson at thefamilypodcastnetwork.com. You can also email Jeff at Jeff at TexasFamilyInstitute.org. Either one of us doesn't matter. Just let us know what you want to talk about if you got an article that you saw that you thought was really good man package that up shoot us a link over and said hey i thought you guys might like that we want to cover the stuff that's interesting to you guys and don't forget maybe it's an article that you're like this is really good and i kind of already knew this there might be somebody out there who has not heard that article that really could use it shoot it over to us we'd love to cover that for you all right jeffrey with all of the housekeeping out of the way today what are we talking about man well it's a phenomenon that I think all of us are familiar with, which is our kids at at one age, you know, they want to help with everything. And, you know, hey, can I help? Can I help? Can I help? And, you know, there's a phase of life as, as a parent where honestly letting your kids help you. Um, I'm putting help in air quotes. If you can see me here, I'm letting them help you means that it's going to take twice as much effort and twice as much time to clean up when they're done. You know what I'm saying? Um, can I help you crack the eggs? And, you know, I, I know the only way to make an omelet is to crack some eggs, but do we have to crack them all over the counter? I mean, <laughs> that, this, that, that's what I'm thinking when my kids want to help me make you know, breakfast for dinner. That never happens here. <laughs> so, uh, so on the one hand, you know, we have a chance to teach our kids something and to empower them and, and help them. Um, but there's a weird phenomenon that happens that's uh, that at another phase of life, and that they don't seem like they're all that that far separated age-wise. Um, a lot of times we can we can almost teach our kids 
to uh, to do what what I've called in the past uh, to have learned helplessness, which means when we jump in and we do everything for them, we're essentially teaching them that uh, that we're always going to step in and, and do stuff, and and it ends up biting us because um, you know when they get to the point where they're capable of doing something for themselves because we haven't allowed them to struggle through that and do it, well then they expect us to do it for do it for them, right? And so we get things like, Dad, will you butter my bread, or will you heat this up for me, or will you, you know, when they're teenagers, will you do my laundry, or well. You know you're capable of doing it, and yet if we if we've created this culture uh, in our in our households that we are going to do everything for them, then we, we've got to be able to shake that. So, um, you know, I, I I think about it when when my kids were little, and um, they didn't want to get dressed. You know what they would do, Trey? What would they do? They would go boneless. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, they, uh, you know, yeah. They would do this thing where suddenly. How do you even would, do that, child? I know, and it's like they, they become contortionist, and and it's like holding Jello and, and seventy pounds of Jello. You know, you're trying to come here, and you're like, you know, taking their pants and like like they're a pillow. You're trying to shake them down into their pants, help them put their pants on because they've gone Jello. You know, boneless. <laughs> and, and that's what I think about when when kids go helpless. It's like they're saying they. Uh, they're saying that they can't do it, but really, we know they can. And what they're what what they're saying is that they won't do it, and that's where it comes that power struggle, you know. Well, you know, I, I think it's easy for us to take a look at this and say that little kids do this, but this is a mentality that if we don't work on with them while they're young, it carries over into adulthood easy. Yes. Now, we often don't see that because in our minds we think, well, it's not the same thing. I mean, they can't tie their shoe, they can't go grab that, you know, off the shelf, and we see them as small problems. But that mentality of I can't do this or somebody else is going to do this for me because they're better at it or whatever that goes through their mindset can carry over into adulthood. And you get adults that don't want to try to tackle the new job or this new task that they've been given or they're, they're, they're whiny and resistant to maybe something new that they have to learn at the office or something like that. And this mentality absolutely applies over into adulthood. So when we don't address this starting right now when they're little bitty kids to teach our kids you may not know what to do, but you are fully capable of doing it. When we don't handle that, it bites us in the rear end, or at very least, it bites our kids in the rear end when they grow <laughs> up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's why this article jumped out at me. Um, it's entitled Helping Kids Kick the Helpless Habit by Amy McCready. And uh, it's, it's just chock full of great stuff here. Um, she starts off doing the same kind of thing that we did at the beginning of, of the podcast here, just kind of um, acknowledging that this is a common parenthood experience is – uh, she's like, parents, raise your hand if you've ever felt the overwhelming sense of irritation when your child asks you, maybe for the 15th time, to do something that he or she can totally do for themselves, right? Um, if your hand is in the air, then you are part of the brotherhood of parents or the sisterhood of parents or however you want to call it because we all deal with this from time to time, right? And like I said, I, I've heard it called something a little bit different. She refers to it as uh, she says this kind of helplessness is called special service, and she refers to it as a power struggle. And I don't know that I saw it as a power struggle so much uh, before when uh, the, the term that I've, I've heard used for this concept is called learned helplessness. And the outcome is the same. We still want to teach parents on, on how to empower their kids. But I think that the, that the, that the mentality is a little bit different because um, special service sets it up to – um, to help us understand that, that what we're doing is we are creating these unrealistic expectations for our kids, um, that, that we've created this special circumstance where where they believe that their every wish will be granted, right? And it almost kind of sets up this 
not just in behaviors, but almost an entitlement mentality. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And I think sometimes we have a hard time because in our mindsets, I think like we look at this idea of learned helplessness and we're like, man, I really don't want my kid to have this. Right. And so we get this this idea that like, you know, we're going to make sure this doesn't happen. But when you're in the moment. And you've got this kid, because I actually agree with her, Jeff. I, I agree with what she says about it becoming a power struggle, because I've seen that with my kids. Mm-hmm. But what happens is, is that a lot of times when kids start to throw out the wine, right? They start to throw out that wine. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I can't do it. And then, you know, and so we think, okay. You do that voice oh, really well, Trey. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I've had a lot of practice. <laughs> so when they do this, we get this mentality. It's like, okay, well, if I just say something to them, they'll quit. I'm sorry, baby. You still have to do it. But, Dad, I want to do it. And then, mm. and a lot of times they'll keep doing that over and over and over. And eventually there reaches that point that we give in to it because we're just tired of listening to the crazy flipping whining. I don't right. want to hear this anymore. Or maybe we continue to engage in this little power struggle with them, which continues to deliver this idea that I'm still willing to argue with you so I might be convinced. That's right. Around, negotiations are still open. That's right. Oh, that's a great way to put it, Jeff. <laughs> the negotiations are still open and around and around and around we go. And so we give in to this. Even if it's not a we do what they want, we still keep giving them this idea that if you can just keep complaining about this, then eventually I will do it. And so we create this this helplessness, even though we can look at this and say, no, I don't want my kid to be a learned helpless kid. Sometimes we do it solely because we are tired of listening to those kinds of things. Well, but what's wrong with helping our kids? I mean, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing as parents is, is to help them? No, not me. I don't do that. <laughs> well, she addresses this. Amy addresses this in, in the article, um, you know, because that's a legitimate question. If our kids really need help, we don't want to turn into parents that never step in and teach our kids that nobody's going to be there for them, that nobody has their backs. I mean, there's the danger of swinging too far in how we handle this and going to the other end, uh, the other extreme of the spectrum. Right. Um, but. The difference between the two, and I think she nails it on this. You and I talked about this earlier. How do we tell the difference between when we are legitimately helping our kids because it's something they need help on or we're being manipulated into helping them because it's something they just don't want to do, right? And the answer is, as she puts it here in the article, listen to your gut, yeah. right? Yeah. If it's something where where it's irritating you because they're doing it, your gut is telling you <laughs> that, that, this, that there's something wrong with this situation, and she gives the example. She says, okay, so let's pretend you're standing next to the silverware drawer and your kid says, hey, can you grab the spoon for me? And you say, sure, and hand them the spoon. No big deal. So that's a perfectly reasonable request, right? But what if the situation looks a little bit different? What if you're busy packing lunches and you let your kid know, hey, we have to leave in five minutes. And, the, and suddenly you're, mom, dad, I need you. Help me get dressed. I can't do it. Okay, you know they can do it. You've seen them do it, yeah. <laughs> right? That's when they're playing the helpless card to get attention or to create what, what she calls the special service where they're trying to manipulate the, uh, the parent for attention or for power. And so your gut can tell you, am I being manipulated? And, and sometimes we, need, we may need to slow down and, and stop and really kind of check because maybe we're just feeling irritated, right? But I, I think she's right. Generally – We've spent enough time as parents that we know when we're being whined at or when it's it's getting on our nerves because it's irritating or that we're just stressed out. You know, so we need to listen to our gut. You know, it's interesting to me, this idea. And I love the way she said that. Listen to your gut, because I think a lot of times we spend we spend a significant amount of time trying to quantify what certain behaviors can mean or not mean. Is my kid really being manipulative in this case or are they not? 
And, and I'm telling you, that's a dangerous game to play because the reality is, in some cases, everything can seem to be completely legitimate and it still be manipulation. And True. I think sometimes we just have to listen to that gut instinct that we have. Does this feel wrong? Does this not feel like uh, the right thing to us? And, and run with that. I'm not saying that our gut is always 100% accurate. I'm not trying to say that it's kind of a, uh, a panacea when it comes to figuring this stuff out. But I really think in most cases, if something feels off about it or something feels wrong... Uh, listen to that gut, and I think it'll. I think it. I think it's pretty accurate. Well, and how we listen to our gut and how we respond is just as important. So she gives us the indicator. You know that that irritated feeling. She says that's your gut's way of telling you to activate. I love this to activate your parenting superpowers and not give in to the demands yeah, that your kids can and should do themselves. Right. And I love the. I love that terminology. She <laughs> parenting superpowers because really the superpower here is. Not I'm going to overwhelm and over and and control my kid and make them do something. Uh, the parenting superpower is the principles that, that that we often promote here on the Real Family Guys podcast is that we need to step back and we need to get on our kids' level and we need to take the time to teach them how to do something. And we need to set. So she goes through uh, a, a four step process here that we're gonna we're gonna break down a little bit. Um, but these are our parenting superpowers. Our parenting superpowers are not to overwhelm or overpower or control our kids. Our parenting superpowers is to be the positive parent that our kid needs in that moment. All right. Okay. So what are the strategies? The first one, she starts off the bat by saying, uh, when your gut is telling you that you need to activate these parenting superpowers, the first thing is you need to take time to train your child to do the task all by themselves. Um, and this one really resonated with me because in the parenting classes that I teach, one of the, the concepts that, that we come across is that we often hold our children accountable for things that we haven't taught them. Or we think that we've taught them, but we haven't ever really given excellent. them a structured way, you know? And, and I liken that to, like, how unfair that would be for on an adult level. As an adult, if I go and I get a job and they take me through HR and I sign all the paperwork and then they give me a, a hat and an apron and they put me in front of the register and they say, we'll see you at five. And then they leave me to figure everything out on my own, and I make all these mistakes, and they come back at the end of the day, and they say, Jeff, you didn't ring that up right, and you didn't cash out your register. And I can legitimately look at them and say, you didn't teach me how to do this. How do you – you cannot reasonably hold me accountable if you haven't taught me how to do it. And yet – and yet we do this all the time as parents, right? And and a really good example that, uh, that I've had that actually um, is this learned helplessness idea, so it fits in really well um, – when we had our first child, Mary Hannah, for the first couple of years, she had all of our attention. She had mama's attention 24-7. She had dad's attention whenever I was at home. We read to her every night. We, you know, we did things with her. And without realizing it, one of the things that, that we taught her how to do when it was time to, to clean up, we sang the cleanup song. You know, clean up, clean up, everybody everywhere, clean up, clean up, everybody do your share. And my wife, Amelia, is a very organized person. So when we're cleaning up the bedroom, there were boxes for the dolls and boxes for the books. And, and these go here, these go here. And everything had a place. And we did that with her every time. And she, and she did. She learned because she had all of our attention, right? Fast forward two years, we have another kid. Fast forward two more years, we have, we have another kid. So now we've got three, right? Well, guess what? The other two didn't get the same level of attention that the one got when she was the only one, right? And so here we are now. Mary Hannah's 10 and Eleanor's, uh, what, she'd be, Mary Hannah's 10. She's four years younger. She, she, she'd be about six. But they're sharing a room, right? And Mary Hannah knows how to clean the room. And, and she knows what the expectations are. And so because she's had all that time with Amelia, 
learning how to do that. And when Amelia said, when we say, hey, girls, y'all need to go clean your room, the response we got from Mary Hannah was like, oh, fine. And she'd go off and she'd clean her room. The response we, we consistently got from Eleanor was, uh, uh, will you help me? Well, no, go clean your room. Just, but I don't know. We'll just, <laughs> we'll just go pick up, pick up all the clothes. Okay. But then what do I do? Would you show me? Would you? And, and we're sitting here and we're getting irritated and frustrated because it feels like, it feels like she's whining and she's trying to manipulate. But this is one of those circumstances where we haven't done step one on on uh, Amy McCready's chart here. Is I don't know that we, that we ever sat down and, and gave the same level of attention and, and structured teaching to help her feel confident that she knew what she needed to do. You know, and so when it comes out and whining then we really need to say, hey, did we do right by our kids? Did we take t- the time to train them to do the task all by themselves? You know, we're talking about this mentality of training our kids to do certain things. And I think a lot of times we confuse the idea of training and teaching up. We confuse those a little bit. Teaching, and I'm, I'm speaking this in the most uh, 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 lightest of terms here, but by the definition of what we're talking about today, teaching can often be just filling a kid with information. And so mm-hmm. I want to take, like, I, I, I have a strong love for firearms and teaching people how to use firearms. And it's one thing for me to give someone information about using a firearm and then expecting that to be enough. And then sitting down with a person, handling them, walking them through the different things, why we do those things. I consider that to be the component of training. It's taking yeah. the information that we've taught and applying it into life and helping them connect the, the philosophy of why we do this to the action of why we do this. And when you put those two things together, it's an amazing thing. And I've seen my kids do things that they were taught to do, and they do them well, but they get fussy or frustrated or upset or they think that they can't really do it or they, they don't know they don't connect deeply on that level as to why they're doing it because I have not trained them. Yeah. Like you were talking about with Mary Hannah, that I haven't trained my kids to do these things. And so they're not understanding why it is that these things are happening, why these things are going down. And so in a lot of cases, when my kids move into this place where they're getting to this, you know, I can't do it phase, it's maybe often because either they've watched mommy and daddy do that and they're they're doing the same thing that they're doing, but they haven't connected on that deep training level as to why we do these things. Why do we work out in the mornings? Why do we not eat too much food on our plates? Why do we do the dishes or clean up the house, right? And in a lot of cases, they're doing what they were taught to do, but they've never been deeply trained as to why these things matter. So I love that she picks this. Take the time to train your child to do the task by themselves because in a lot of cases, just because they can mimic what we do doesn't mean they fully understand why they're doing it. And I think that what you're talking about, she she does really well here on, on this blog. Uh, she gives an example of not just telling them, hey, you need to do this and I believe that you can do it. She says, let's take a few minutes to practice so you know exactly what to do. And then and then she says role play it or train them on the how-tos, but actually do that praxis of, of that hands-on let's, let's do it so that you've not only been taught it and told it, but you've actually practiced it as well. So, yeah, connecting those two, um, and I like the distinction that you made between just teaching and, and then the training. I think they both go hand in hand. So once we've, we've done that, once we're, we're confident that we've done the teaching and the training that, uh, that needs to be in place for our kids to be successful, the next step that she has here is she says we need to set the expectation. When our kids start whining and they manipulate or, and, and that gut feeling comes up, if we've, if we've already got that training in place and we know that we've done it, 
then the expectation is for us to go ahead and, and just set that verbal boundary. You know, you are growing up in so many ways. From now on, you're going to be responsible for blank. I know you can do it. I think one of those things that we're kind of struggling through right now, Trey, is uh, something that I think a lot of families have dealt with, which is learning to get yourself up and 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 that morning routine, you know, wake yourself up and, and get going. Um, because our kids are all at an age where, where they're responsible for themselves at school and they're responsible for themselves in s- several other ways. And, and yet we've, we've had the culture in our household of when I got up in the morning or when Amelia got up in the morning is we'd go and we'd wake all the other kids up, right. To make sure they'd get up and get ready and get out the door. But in doing that, we set a culture of, you know, mom or dad's going to wake us up. Mom and dad is going to make us get out of bed. Oh, and so, good. yeah. So we had that power struggle in the mornings instead of, you know what, you're old enough to, to do this and, and you've got an alarm clock and you know how to use it. And so, yeah, this is going to be your responsibility from now on, you know, now we can't just set that expectation. Once again, we have to do the training. We have to help them understand, well, here's the consequences. You know, if you stay up till three in the morning, you know, playing a video game or chatting on your phone or doing other things that you shouldn't be doing until three in the morning. Well, yeah, it's going to be hard to wake up in the morning and it's going to adversely affect you in these ways. So we got to connect it. We got to show them, you know, maybe you don't keep the uh, the alarm right next to your bed because being a world class procrastinator, Trey, you know what my favorite thing to do is first thing in the morning? Procrastinate. Procrastinate. I wake <laughs> up and if the first decision I can make is to not make a decision by hitting snooze, <laughs> it's like I need to do things today. The first thing I'm going to do is sleep some more, snooze. right? And when when the alarm's right next to us and we can reach, but what if it's on the other side of the room? You know, or are there other ways for us to to set that situation up to where? So, once again, we can take the time to train our children to do the, to do the task by themselves, but then we need to set that expectation uh, and let our kids know we believe that they're capable of doing it, and then and then give give them room to try it and either be successful or to fail and have to try something different. You know, I think as a key component, what you just said there, let them fail. Uh, that's a hard thing for me. I don't like seeing my babies. Uh, a fail and have to deal with uh, you know negative consequences to stuff but that is one of the best parts of responsibility and I'm going to talk about that a little bit at the end but one of the things that we strongly reinforce when it comes to any of this stuff is is we talk about this mentality that uh, you are not a genuinely free person until you're accepting full responsibility for yourself until you're willing to do those things that you need to do wake yourself up I mean that seems so simple but at the same time I mean it really can be tough whenever you move from somebody else is waking you up all the dadgum time and you move to that place to where you say I am going to be responsible not just to do the right thing but I'm going to do the right thing even when nobody's looking that's a major major component to this and I I love that idea of, of setting an expectation I expect you to do these things now it's also why I agree that kids should start doing that stuff so very young. Yeah. And we don't like letting them do it when they're young because they don't do a very good job. You had a great example about the eggs all over the, the counter. And, and I am so, as a dad, I am so resistant to letting my kids do things <laughs> like help me with supper. I don't want to let them do it because in my mind's eye, I see the gigantic, colossal, flapping mess I'm going to have to deal <laughs> with here in the next 30 minutes to an hour when we're done. And I don't want to deal with that. But here's the thing. This is the age when they want 
to do these responsible things. They want to tie their own shoe. They want to help you put the dishes away. And if we can get that and we can, and, and Carpe DM sees yeah, the parenting sees that day, <laughs> sees that moment with him right then when it's a pain in the butt, and I agree, we can start engendering this expectation. I expect you to be responsible for whatever it is because I know you can do it, and we can utilize that time where they actually want to. All right, so the next step that she has here on the blog, step three of this four-step process to put this strategy in place. It it is my favorite, but Trey, this is the one I think we fail (laughs) so much. Okay, so once we've taught them, once we've trained them, once we've set the expectation, she says, walk away. Walk away. Walk away. No. She says, if they pull the helpless card in that moment, when, when you set the expectation and they st- they're still doing the whining thing, all you do, be totally unimpressed and walk away with a I smile on your she face. I that. Be totally just say, unimpressed. I'm confident you can handle it. I'll be downstairs when you're ready for breakfast. And then, and she, she makes this comment, and I'm going to read it word for word. She says, the exit is essential. If you stay in the room, you are sure to get sucked right back into the power struggle. Yeah, that's so right. Good. That's what we were saying earlier. As long as you stay there, you're signaling negotiations are still open, Right. So you've got to be able to to drop that truth bomb. <laughs> you are capable. I've taught you. I know you can do it. And I'm going to be so proud of you when you get this done. I'll see you downstairs. And then <laughs> mic drop, walk out. You've done your parenting duty, right? Yeah, but this is hard because I think so often we want to see like immediate compliance, right? Yeah. I tell my kids to do something and I expect them to jump. It's that whole, you know, how high, Dad? You know the the, the military mentality that, that I'm expecting when when I I say this needs to happen, and I believe in you. Now do it, and then they're like, okay, yeah, <laughs> and they don't move, or they pull the covers back up over their head, and I'm just like, this is going to end badly, and so I stay, I stay. <laughs> but she says walking away is essential. You you've got to you got to have that confidence, and you've got to let the process work. I don't, I don't think that folks realize how much when you stay around and you continue even to passively engage in the argument. And by passive, I mean sometimes just staying in the room is still a passive engagement. I don't think most folks recognize what that conveys to a kid in the sense that, oh, I, I love the way you said that, Jeff. Negotiations are still open. And, and it, it is sometimes that just getting out of the room that signifies I'm not, I'm not going to play your game. Because in most cases when there's a power struggle like this and this kid is pushing this helpless moment, uh, they're playing on their battlefield, which means that <laughs> you are set up and destined. To, if, if you're not going to fail, you're going to have the hardest time trying to get what you want from anyone because you're playing on the battlefield that's been selected by someone else and you never want to play that game. Walking away can be a great thing. I want to be very careful when I endorse this because can you weaponize walking mm. away? Yeah. Yes, you can. You can turn walking away into a hurtful, mean-spirited thing with your kid because they can be in the middle of talking and you walk it out of the room and it is signifying, I don't care that you have more opinions. I'm walking out and I'm taking control of this and leaving. I don't recommend weaponizing walking away. However, you can do it in such a way that it is, man, I sure do love you, and you are so important to me, but I can't keep playing this game with you and walk out with a good heart that wants to see them be successful and not be, look how I can take power over you by walking yeah. out. Because Absolutely. that sets them up when they grow up. They remember that whenever I really don't like something that somebody else is saying, I can just walk out of the room 
and when they become teens, that can really <laughs> blow up in our face. Yes, yes. <laughs> They've not been spoken on this podcast. I think that's absolutely right. All right, so the so far she's she's laid down some very important steps here. We got to train them. We got to teach them. We got to set expectations. We got to walk away. At this point, I can hear parents nationwide say, "But what if you don't have time to do all this? What if <laughs> you know? What if it's good though, right?" And so she anticipates this. She says, "If time is of the essence, then you need to see this as a process, right? And you need to be doing this." And she says, "Use it." And this is capitalized. And so I, I think that uh, that she probably talks about this in one of her books or something. She says, "Include whatever it is that you're trying to get your child to do." Include the task as part of a when-then routine. And this is how she describes it. She says, I'm confident you can do it, honey. When you are dressed, then we'll have breakfast. But remember, the kitchen closes at 730. See you downstairs. And then walk away, right? So Logical consequences. There you go. There's that when-then routine. When you're dressed, we'll leave. When you've changed clothes, then we can go to school. When we, you know, So it's, it's that I believe you can do it. And here's the parameters. When this happens, this is how I'm going to respond. And and we train our kids that we're going to follow through and we're going to be you know, firm. This isn't a negotiable task, but it is a task that you're capable of doing. So get to it. You know, and I want to separate this out because what we're talking about here is just logical consequences because this is a choice that you have. See, we and this is where I wanted to delineate like one of the things we do all of these four things in this family uh, very actively. The one thing that we add is is that we talk about that idea of what a free person is and what a free person does. And so we want our kids to know that they have the choice to do the wrong thing. What? What Trey? What did you just say? What kind of heathenistic thing that you just suggest we want our kids to know that they can choose the wrong thing they can't because at any point they have that freedom to do it whether i want them to believe that they can choose the wrong thing or not they always have the choice to choose the wrong thing and i want them to know that i'm aware of that as well however i want to make sure that my kids understand that with every wrong thing there comes a consequence and kids have to learn that whenever you choose to do a certain thing, there will be a consequence. Are you willing to live with that consequence? And so what she's talking about when she says when then is she's saying is you're teaching your kids to understand when you choose to make this bad decision, this is the consequence that you have to deal with. Can you live with that? And so I love this when it terms to this idea. Helplessness is a choice that your kid can choose. At any time in your kid's life, they can choose to run down this help, this this learned helplessness mentality all that they want. However, it comes with consequences. If we spend our times as parents shielding them from those consequences, we are not allowing them to naturally learn. So allowing your kids to say, hey, listen, when you choose to, to throw this I can't tie my shoes when I know I've seen you do it a thousand times before, then you're not going to get to sit down and have this nice hot breakfast that I just made for you. That is hard for us as parents to watch because most of us don't like to see our kids suffering. However, when we allow our kids to experience those natural consequences in life, it allows them to understand my behavior of A led to consequence B, and then it can factor into their next decision. I love this one. Absolutely setting it up when you don't have that much time and letting your kids know if you choose to be this way, then you're not going to get to have something that you want. Love it, love it, love it. So if we're able to implement all these things, do you think our kids will try to pull that helpless card again? Uh, 
I suspect that they're going to test this. I have, let Probably. me rephrase that. From my experience, is yes, they they will try <laughs> to push it because they're going to they really want to see how serious you are. Because yeah. when I have let go on that, I've established a behavior. Oh, when I do this, then Daddy will go ahead and do this. And yes, so most of the time we do. But I'll tell you this: I've never had a kid that if I've let them deal with their natural consequences on a regular basis, I have never seen a behavior continue. Well, and I think that consistency is is important when we let them experience those consequences, right? What we're doing is we're having to to in the words of Yoda, unlearn what we have have learned um, as a family mm-hmm. when we teach each other that that learned helplessness and learn a better way of doing things. And so with practice and consistency, I think we can get to the point where where this is um, we're empowering our kids and not only do we see them as capable, but we're helping them to see themselves as capable. So I think, Trey, that I can definitively say that when our listeners are hungry for more parenting advice, then they can search the archives and find new topics uh, that they maybe haven't heard. Or they can write us emails and say, hey, Jeff, Trey, we'd love you to talk about this. What do you think? Oh, there, there is a combined 450 different shows that have been done between Family Podcast Network and the Real Family Guys Podcast. You can go search. Listen, if you got an issue going on with your family, it doesn't matter whether it's potting in the bed all the way to uh, a divorcee or raising stepchildren, those kinds of things, just go to the search page on the Family Podcast Network and do your search because there is a show that is on there. And then if you can't find one, Jeff and I want to do one for you, just like you said. That's right. That's right. Send us an email. And between now and the next time you listen to us, we will be out there scouring the interwebs for the latest topics to bring you resources and uh, and take this experience that we have and the education that's out there on the net and help them collide. Kaboom! To bring you the best in parenting. So thanks for, for listening in today. And we hope you guys have a great week. We'll see you guys next week.